Hey folks and welcome to another episode of The Numbers Game. This is the show where we talk about the numbers that everyone pretends that they don't care about, share our own and the stories behind how we're trying to grow the own numbers within our business, whether it's content, SaaS, whether it's general startup growth. So we hope it's useful to you. And I'm joined, as always, by Matthew. How you doing, Matthew? Thanks for inviting me on the show, Colin. Again. Yeah. Delighted to be here. <laughs> I'm going to pretend I'm a guest. No, yes. I'm supposed to be here. Well, I just I interview you about your uh, breakfast that you were telling me about earlier on. Yeah, yeah, we could do a, we could do a series. You've been raking that. the beach, haven't you, for your, uh, for your <laughs> breakfast? Seaweeds, garlics, mushrooms. Don't know if you get beach mushrooms right enough. Beach but, garlic, uh, maybe. Yeah, you could get some beach garlic. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, well... <laughs> Good start to the show anyway. Yes, indeed. Talking about uh, breakfast. Yeah, well, you know you know what it's like. Well, actually, this is a content-based show. It's about creating videos and podcasts and stuff. That's how we always start our uh, interviews, isn't it? You ask about breakfast. Good for setting what, the levels. What, is that... It, do you think people started doing that just because everyone... Well, actually, so I was about to say, do you think it's because everyone has breakfast, so at least it's something everyone can answer. But then uh, the whole thing with um, Tim Ferriss show just now is that he's talking about the fact that nobody has breakfast. That's like the sign of a high performer if you don't have breakfast. Apparently. Really? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I thought it was the opposite. <laughs> well, suppo- no, supposedly. Like, um, I thought I was a high performer. I well, have breakfast. Because you're now having good <laughs> breakfast. Well, no, apparently it's... Uh, so I can't remember the stats exactly, but it, it, like a large proportion of the guys certainly on his show don't have breakfast. So he's t- he's taken that now as a trend that to be a high performer, you need to not have breakfast. Well, let's get Ferris on. I'll be having words with him. Exactly. And our, my stomach just rumbles in the microphone if I don't do that. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, to the show. So uh, this is episode five of the numbers game. And what are we doing? Well, we'll start with the story. <laughs> I should introduce the show at first. Uh, just to remind you, the, how, the way this show works is you might either be watching the video, you might be uh, listening to the podcast. We talk about the story behind what we're doing at the podcast host, as in what has happened in the last week that's notable, how we're growing the uh, the business, the, the shows that we run, the blog that we run, all of that stuff. We're sharing the story behind it and the stats as well. Uh, we're sharing as much as we can about the numbers behind the business to give you an idea of you know, benchmarks basically of if you have this much traffic, how much affiliate can that generate? If you have these many clients, how much income can that generate? If you put out this much content, how much uh, attraction, how much uh, audience can that generate? So it's really to help you guys get an idea of um, a content business that's already in existence, what we're doing and how we're managing to grow that, the type of acceleration and scale you can get around that. Uh, And also experiments. So we're hoping to do plenty of experiments over the coming months around how we grow our own audience. And we'll be sharing what we're doing. Uh, Right now, of course, we're talking about email opt-ins. I'm going to tie that up today, actually. Later in the show, we'll talk about the end of the opt-in experiment and I'll share the the end results of that. But first, we'll finish up. And this will be the last episode where we're doing the backstory. So from next week onwards, we're just going to be into our regular routine where we're going to catch up See what you've been doing this week, Matthew. See All what the, I've been uh, eating for breakfast. The capers, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, basically, what's going on day to day, the backstory, the um, you know behind the scenes of what we do here, and how we uh, plan to grow it. So last week here of the backstory, tying up basically catching up with. Uh, 
one of the big plans for the future, really, is the software that we're developing right now. I mentioned it a bit last week, where we tied up up to now around content memberships. But the other strand that we're looking at right now is software. So that's what we're going to look into this week in the story before we go on to lessons around that, actually, around teams and around working with agencies and then on to the experiments and the stats for this week. So I hope that sounds good. As usual, you can find the show notes if you want to get links to resources, to get a summary of this, to view the videos if you're listening to the podcast, or to find the podcast if you're watching the videos. You can find that at numbersgame.me forward slash 005 for episode 5. So join us over there for all the extra resources. But anyway, on with the rest of the content. Okay, so on this segment, we're looking into the last part of the story uh, that takes it up to now, really. Last time around on episode four, we explored where we're at now with content and memberships, didn't we? So we're up to um, how we've been thinking about uh, putting out our blogs, our podcasts, our videos, uh, and the refocus on the membership as well, going from fan fishing over to uh, the Podcast Host Academy and how that changed exactly how it's delivered. So this time around, I want to talk about the other side that I hinted at last time, uh, which is the software that we're looking at. And this really all stems around the refocusing, doesn't it? I mean, so we talked a bit about sacking clients before, didn't we? Um, I mean, why did we do that in the end? It just wasn't really scalable, was it? Yeah. Um, And, you know, it ties you down doing... (laughs) <laughs> just this um, same time you're not you're not making any progress yeah. um, so yeah. we, we wanted to make stuff didn't we we wanted to create like content ourselves yeah yeah uh, so I know it's just it's like you're on a hamster wheel isn't it you're just like uh, you're either doing the client work that just never ends because it's a new thing every week they send you a new audio file and don't get me wrong we enjoyed we enjoy doing this we enjoy like editing podcasts we enjoy working with clients we enjoy teaching people how to grow their shows but when it gets down to like some of the clients we work just with just now, they know what they're doing, don't they? All they do is send us their audio files. We've already kind of coached them through how they will grow it. They know they know what the process is. So it's just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. When when you've had clients for a long time, it becomes a, a well-oiled machine. Yeah, all the work. Oh, you is hope in, it does. <laughs> yeah, I, all the work is in. Um, meeting a new client because everyone's different as yeah. much, you could have all the standard operating procedures in the world but yeah. people are unique um and there's going to be unique issues and, and unique yes. needs so yeah um, totally. it, it could take a lot of work and that tends to be the fun bit as well doesn't it that first first little while even though it's a lot of work it's like it's the interesting part because you're figuring it out you're figuring out the show you're kind of teaching them a little bit all that stuff so so yeah, I mean that that was what we've talked a little bit about this already. So that was why we made the decision to to stop taking on um, regular podcast production work. So we still work with a few clients, um, so people that we know well, that we like, that we I mean, well actually we liked all of our clients. It's not that like we didn't like any, but people that you know we'd been working for for a long time. And the processes are down so well that actually it doesn't take up much of our time. So we kept on a few like that, but. Um, got rid of the rest and stopped advertising production uh, services. So nowadays, all we do, if we do do a little bit of production, but it's mainly one-off, actually. It's mainly bigger projects. So we'll work with some companies who um, come to us and say, we want to produce four or five episodes that do this. And it's actually going to be a fair bit of work because there's going to be some extra, it's going to be high production values, that type of thing. Um, 
So we will take on some of that, but not otherwise, not really just the regular standard stuff. But the thing is, we still get asked about that all the time. So we wanted to produce something that helps them, a solution for those types of people. You know, it's our audience. They're, they have this problem, they have this barrier. So we want to help them in some way around that. And that was kind of what led to the, the software stuff, wasn't it? So um, really, it just made me start thinking, can we produce something, a piece of software, a web app, uh, a software as a service that makes it so simple and easy for your average podcaster to produce their episode? And I mean... Three quarters, 80%, most of the people that we work with, actually, they don't do a lot of editing. They don't do a lot of production. All they do is there's maybe two options. Maybe they just they pull out the recorder and they record something for 10, 15 minutes, just a solo show, and then that's it finished. All they have to do is add their branding and process it, make sure it's the right volumes. Or maybe they go out and interview somebody and they do their own intro and outro. Again, it's pretty simple, though. The interviews don't tend to need much editing, maybe just the top and a tail. And then the intro and the outro, again, just top and a tail as well. And you just piece those bits together, again, put on the branding and the processing. So there's not that much to it. And I wondered whether we could create something like that that would that produce that really easily. Just push button, upload the file, press a button and it downloads it uh, or sends it off to uh, to publishing. I kind of thought that wouldn't be enough though to make it unique because there are editing platforms out there there's some platforms out there that do a few of these things not all of them together the branding particularly but I'd been talking a lot about the content stack and something at that point so uh, bringing in video or recording on video and, and producing stuff for YouTube and for podcasts and then pulling it into a blog as well so that was the content stack and stuff that um, I talked about at ProBlogger, written about on the blog um, talked about it at uh, Content Marketing Academy in Edinburgh as well and it was getting really good feedback people were really enjoying the approach they were really it was really resonating with them about as a way to or the problem being that they can't get stuff out regularly and on all the platforms so this is a way to solve that so i started looking into plans for a platform that would allow that as well so it would take video and produce video and audio plus the branding the processing and all that kind of stuff and we looked into so we came up with that plan and there are other elements to it as well. I don't want to talk about all of it right now. I will really, I will sort of talk about it over the coming months because we'll be releasing software itself. But there's a few other particularly unique parts to it, particularly based around um, seasons-based podcasting or seasons-based video or blogging as well, and how you can use that in your content too. Um, because that's something that I've talked about a lot too that really resonates with people. So I wanted to tie that into the app as well. So there's more coming, but that's the basic premise is that it's going to take your video or your audio and produce stuff for you automatically. So first step with that was uh, funding really. We talked a little bit about funding already, talked about the smart funding that we sourced uh, last time around. So we managed to get that and that really enabled me to look at a lot of different options. We didn't have to totally bootstrap this, we got a little bit of extra support and that came to the first um, barrier there which was uh, looking towards employing an agency really. So my first thought actually was to look at universities because they're, that's kind of my background really. Uh, there's a lot of research-based agencies uh, or sorry, research-based universities that look at audio but also have little teams that develop software as well. One of these particularly is University of West Scotland um, and I talked to them for a little while. I ended up not going that way because 
I found that, and this is from my history in universities as well, is that universities tend to move pretty slowly. They're not exactly what you would call agile. Um, I don't know what your experience of colleges as well was, uh, or Abertay as well with the university there. Um, is that your experience of, of higher education? Yeah, of all places, <laughs> yes. Um, the, there's there's not a lot of people in big institutions like that who I think want to take responsibility for anything. So yeah. <laughs> things get passed on and passed on and yeah, nobody yeah. nobody really wants to make a decision on well, anything. Yeah, and, and even because it's, it's such a massive organisation, it's, it's, quite, it's quite difficult to get stuff done. And even when you do find great staff that do want to get stuff done, and there's plenty of them in universities, great lecturers, great staff that want to achieve things, they're just faced with this massive bureaucracy. And so... Um, I found that a little bit when I was talking to universities and so I moved away from that straight away um, towards agencies. Now, I found with agencies, they actually, surprisingly, I thought, you know, top tech agencies would be much more agile, much more quick moving. But actually, I found some of the bigger agencies, for a start, very, very expensive because they have to have big teams behind it to keep their quality high, to make sure they're putting through, um, you know, top quality, very quickly, quality controlled, all that kind of stuff. So very expensive in the first place and also not very agile at all either. They tend to take quite a few weeks to, you know, just get little things done because it has to go through so many different people. So then I started looking at smaller agencies, more up and coming agencies. And I found one particular one, actually, which I worked with for a little while. Um, and they were great, actually, in that we did some prototyping. We did some wireframes and they were great for scoping the app out. But again, they were a bit more agile, but they were still a little bit. I mean, they're working for other people as well. They're not dedicated to you. So they have to work around deadlines. And this app I felt was going to be quite research-based. It's quite experimental. It's not like I can just give them a spec and say, go away for a month and build this. It was going to be, have to be a lot of back and forth, a lot of decisions. And every time I would ask them to make a decision or make a decision myself, pass it on to them, it would take quite a while to get that sorted out because, um, it, you know, it would have to go through their processes or they would have to book in some time next week to, to look at it and review it and get back to me because they're working with other people. So understandable. So it's just not agile enough for me. And also the whole time I just had this thought, we're not building capacity here. We're not, you know, you're not, we're not building long term. We're going to do a job with them. They're not going to be that invested in it. They want to do a good job, but they're not going to be so invested in it and they're going to leave and then we're going to be stuck with it. So I'm going to end up needing staff eventually anyway. So why not take the plunge and actually just do that right now? So that's where we're at right now. I took on a back-end developer about two months ago, uh, just part-time. So he's working with another company already, uh, but he had a couple of days to spare. So he's now building a fast and rough and ready prototype, that minimum viable product that people talk about in SaaS. So a first thing to start testing it out. And I'm looking for a front-end developer right now as well to start building a really slick, nice interface for this, especially the editing elements. They're going to need a quite heavy interactive interface design. So working with him right now, looking for a front-end dev and basically just trying to look at a much more rough and ready, um, quick, iterative, testing all the time process to get through to a prototype that we can then give to people and just start using it with users. And I'm really pleased with it so far. It's... Uh, 
I'm finding it um, hard figuring out all the server stuff, like looking at AWS and all the different servers we need to work with. Um, going back and forth, lots of tests. Finding time for testing is actually pretty difficult. Uh, and there's loads of issues in there around like the size of video files and working with audio files and uploading through the browser, the mobile phone, all that kind of stuff. All this fun stuff. But we can talk a bit more about that over the coming months while this progresses. But that's the stage we're up to now. Working with a back-end dev who's employed part-time, looking for a front-end dev to employ full-time, and the two of them, I'm going to build it out. I realise that there's risks here. We might not, we're not going to have the same level of quality control. We're not going to have the same diversity of skills as if we worked with an agency. But I felt like it was worth sacrificing those elements to build our own team, even if it takes us a bit longer, even if there's a few mistakes along the way. Take me learning how to manage a software project in the first place. I've never done that before in my life. Um, So there's going to be a few mistakes, but I think it's worth it to be able to build that capacity within our own team. So that's where we're up to right now. Um, And I'm looking forward to sharing a bit more about that with you over the coming months as that develops. We're hoping to get a beta out over the summer um, for you guys to try out. So I'm going to recruit some podcast listeners, some video watchers, some of our existing audience to try out for us and and see what everybody thinks. Uh, So, yeah, we'll update you with that at the time. So that ties up the story. That ties up the backstory. So now I'm really looking forward to getting on to actually the day-to-day stuff, which you can get a lot more involved with. Manu. Manu? Manu. Manu. Manuel. He's he's a new guy. (laughs) Buenos dias. (laughs) Yeah, you can get more involved. So yeah, I think next episode, you've got to do uh, an update of your last week so you can speak for 90% of the time, unlike what I've been doing the last few weeks. Yeah, day in the life of me. That'll excite the listener. <laughs> hey, there's more exciting. There's more exciting than your average job by a long shot. Yeah, I I just thought you meant going home at night and putting my uh, slippers on, looking after the rabbits, sitting on the couch. Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually sit on the couch. Maybe I could talk about that. Oh, okay, interesting, intriguing. We'll leave that as a cliffhanger. Yeah, leave it. Matthew leave it does not sit on a couch. I have to now come up with a reason why. Breaking it, news. <laughs> Okay, so that ties up the story. Next week, we'll be on to the week-by-week updates. Look forward to it. Alrighty, time for the data behind the story. This is about you always love, Matthew, isn't it? The numbers. Love a bit of data. Love a bit of the numbers, <laughs> the stats. You do you do a lot of our stats, though. You actually track a lot yeah, of our KPIs. I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, you enjoy that or you hate it? No, I, f- I do find it interesting. Yeah, it's it's good to see uh, when we, when I check the affiliate money that I've still got a job. Uh, there's always that wee risk where it's like, all right, yeah. well, I'll just uh, I'll just get my jacket on then. Just disappeared um, yet? Aye. So so far so good. So far so good. If, if this podcast stops going out, if it just pod fades, that's probably what's happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, affiliates just disappeared. We can't afford this anymore. Um, yeah, but it's when you it's when you have a hand in it when you can affect it like just you see the stuff like the content you're putting out the podcast the blogs everything that you're putting out especially mm. the affiliate based articles that you put out like reviews of equipment roundups yeah. that kind of stuff like you you're the you're affecting those numbers i know i, I did amazon have, have totally changed the layout the report structure right. there will be still a way to look through all the different sales yeah but I, i've not like the last few times i've done it i've just it's just taking the total yeah, yeah but i did like to scroll through and see especially if i just put a review out see what like, did selling. anyone actually buy it yeah yep. um so it was good to know that some someone's uh taking your word for yeah, something so, someone trusts you yeah <laughs> so uh 
yeah they've they've changed it all in there it's horrible yeah, yeah. but then stuff you know if you use a service all the time and they change yeah. it even if they make it better it's Aye. horrible to you still hate because it it's, um, yeah it's actually i quite like it I'd, i've used it for uh, the dot the com one the american one's changed a while back and yeah i've got used to it now and it is quite mm. good you still can find those reports i'll show you later on so yeah Pretty good um, but anyway, to our stats. So I mentioned last week that we're going to go on to a, a cycling, sort of four week cycling. Uh, it makes me think I want to go cycling. Uh, a cycle of four week uh, reports. So we're not going to do all of the stats every single time. We track four different types of KPIs within the business. We've got our web stats, we've got our income, we've got our email signups, our email opt-ins, how well our email marketing's performing basically. And we've got our content output. So how much we're putting out there and what effect that's having on the traffic. So if I was to do that all, all of them every single week, I would get pretty uh, onerous. So what we're going to do is do one of them each week in a cycle. So we'll do web stats, then income, then email opt-ins, that type of stuff. Um, and also it just gives more to report. There's not actually that much of a change week by week, but month by month is a much better trend. So this time around, uh, it's income. And I've just done my monthly uh, financial reporting and all that caper. So I've got all the stats here. So let you know how we're doing right now in terms of income. So at the moment, uh, let's go through the different categories. We've got clients first. So I mentioned in the story for this week that we still do keep on a few clients and we still do some one-off projects. Uh, I hinted at the kind of those bigger one-off projects. Examples of that could be, um, for example, a, a charity in Edinburgh we're working with just now to create a podcast-based course. So they're actually creating a course that needs to be really simple. It's, it's aimed at um, an older generation of workers. So most of them will be 40s, 50s or older. So not to say that nobody of that age can handle technology, but the level of literacy tends to be a bit lower. So we're making it really simple in that it's just delivered by email and they click a link and go and listen to a podcast. So they've got a couple of nice bits of media to consume. So that's a project we're working on just now, just a one-off chunk of work. And that type of project we tend to charge. I mean, we only take those types of things on if it's in the minimum of maybe two to three thousand pounds range. So three to four thousand dollars. Um, and that one especially because it's an ongoing one as well. Uh, another one, for example, is a, a, a business support organisation within a university, actually. They're looking to get us to do four. In fact, I've maybe not even told you about this yet, Matthew. First of me, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so that's someone who's going to get us to do a really highly produced set of interviews to advertise their um, their support. And it's, I say advertise, but it's it's free like the stuff the support they offer is free so mm. it's actually just to showcase the type of stuff they do to talk to people that have used it before so do some case studies we're going to interview maybe four or five people that have gone through the program and produce that as a set of really good podcasts that will um you know showcase what they do uh, they can put it out as marketing material put it out as a podcast as well hopefully it'll turn into a more regular thing mm. but that's kind of a the one-off type of client work we take on now because it's interesting it's fun it's uh, it's also much higher value because we're putting a lot more work into it than the um the standard just week by week stuff so with client work We've not got any of them coming in this month. So right now with our kind of standard client work, it's just above £400 a month, $500 or so. So that's a nice little baseline. Pays for a wee chunk of Matthew's production wages when he's uh, when he's working on them. So it's good to have that as a regular recurring income. Um, always nice to have that coming in. Membership 
is grown steadily just now. So we're getting maybe a couple of people a week coming into the membership right now on average. It tends to be in spurts. It's not, it doesn't tend to be like two per week. Uh, it tends to be dependent on emails I'm sending out, that type of stuff. Um, maybe we get four or five one week and then none for a few weeks. But right now, it's probably an average of about two a week. And that's up to uh, about £350, $450 per month right now. We're looking at what we've got, about 25 members right now. Um, so I'm hoping to, by the end of this year, grow that up to, what was the last number? I think I was looking at maybe coming on for a couple of hundred by the end of this year. I, th- I would call that um, a success for the membership if we can get it up to a couple of hundred by the end of this year. Then on to affiliate. So affiliate is still our kind of our biggest income right now. And there's been a bit of a drop in the last month. You've spotted that in your weekly reporting, haven't you? Um, It's a nervous time. It is. (laughs) (laughs) There was a week uh, about uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, where Mm. basically it it went from, there's a graph it shows you in the Amazon affiliate. If you've not seen it, there's a graph where it'll show you day by day income. And we have generally, you know, we're looking at about a hundred to a bit over a hundred dollars a day in terms of affiliate income. Um, or it hovers around that area. And we had 100, 120, 90, 110, blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly it dropped down to about 20. And then the next day was 25. And then the next day was 15. And then the next day was like 30. So it was hovering around there. And, it was like, and I was, that's when I started looking at it every single day. This is the reason that it's terrible relying on affiliate income because it's so unreliable. It can just change day to day based on search, based on algorithm changes, based on, you know, the affiliate program itself, they can shut down um, or they can change their terms. And I think this is what's happened. I'd read that Amazon have changed their commission structure on some of the categories. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it affects our audio stuff directly, but a lot of our income isn't to do with audio equipment, is it? Yeah, you get like... (laughs) um really eclectic uh, products in there yes. that somebody's just been shopping about you know yeah. bought a king size bed and a blue <laughs> snowball um the two go together obviously but uh yeah i a lot of a lot of the big purchases are just like random yeah. things someone clicks through for a mic but goes oh well, i do need to buy this though someone yeah. different i think the best one i saw once was uh there was one purchase next to each other. It was a set of uh, lingerie and a video, uh, the topic of which I won't name, but I'm sure you can imagine the topic, given that it was next to a lingerie purchase. And uh, it's like, well, it's nice to know that, you know, we earn a wee commission off somebody having a good night. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> ah, they're having more fun than me at night. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Matthew. Yeah, Julia doesn't listen Feels to sorry. this show, as far as I know. So yeah, I'm she's going to start listening to a guest slap for that. that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, so, yeah, exactly. So it doesn't matter. Even if Amazon changes something to do with uh, their book structure, even though we're in audio, it still affects us a little bit. So there has been a drop. Thanks to, uh, Thankfully, it, dropped, it went up again. So we're back up to similar levels, a wee bit below. But this month we uh, were on, this last month, so that was uh, March, we were on about £2,800 or about $4,000 in total from affiliate. It's not just Amazon, um, but all of it together. The, the majority of it's Amazon. We That's our kind of biggest affiliate program. Uh, so that's why it's kind of nerve wracking when Amazon do things and uh, change things because it can change our, our income quite drastically. Um so I, th- I think it's probably mostly that uh, a nice motorbike going outside. You bought it on the uh, affiliate program. Indeed, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he uh, So yeah, it changes that. 
quite drastically. I think it was probably the partly that, partly conversions are down a little bit. I'm not sure if March is maybe a bad month for buying. I looked back to last year actually, and there was quite a chunky drop in April last year. Mm. So I'm not sure whether springtime actually. It's just uh, people are kind of they keep spending in January, February after Christmas to make themselves feel better. But then in March, April, they're like, holy crap, we've spent a lot of money in the last few months. Yeah. because <laughs> Christmas through. December, un- understandably, like, was through the roof. Yeah. It yeah. got to the point where, you know, we're walking about in tuxedos. Yeah. Um, and then January, I think you still get that, you know, people have got their Christmas money and also they're depressed and they're spending, but they get to February and they're like, okay, that's, yeah. that's enough of that yeah, now. Totally. <laughs> yeah, so that maybe spills over into March, April. So anyway, it's hard to tell exactly why these changes happen, which is another of the frustrating things about affiliate revenue. But um, uh, we're, we look into it, we try and anyway, we're trying to diversify. So that was something that we're working on just now is diversifying our affiliate income. Um, for example, within Amazon, for example, we're trying to get outside of just our, our mics and mixers and things. We're doing some articles on headphones right now, some more consumer-based stuff. Um, I did an article on standing desks recently because that's something I use. So it's just looking at other products, diversifying a bit, <clears throat> and at other niches as well. So you're putting together a production uh, services uh, what would you call it? Directory, I suppose, yeah. at the moment. So listing all of the different production services out there. And that's partly because we don't do it anymore. So we've got people to pass it to. So we mm. can answer that question. Um, but also because it's a good way to generate affiliate, like referring to other services. Similar with courses too. You've put together a courses yeah. page as well, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, and uh, you looked around to find like some good affiliate ones there. So we're looking for good quality ones. And you could perceive this as competition, but really our job... And I see our job being to give the best answer to people who are podcasters out there asking a question and we'll tell them about our service. So our membership. Um, but I mean, our membership is really kind of a it's a, it's a good quality upgrade for courses and services and it's for courses and resources and how to and to access us. But there's tons of other stuff out there that would help people as well. Um, and our membership is quite low cost so people can afford other stuff alongside it. So we want to direct people to everything that is good quality out there that can help a podcaster. And we believe that, you know, well, I mean, that generates us more traffic, which helps with with our sponsorship, with our affiliate income, but it'll come back to us in terms of membership and people buying our SaaS product and stuff like that in the future. Mm-hmm. I believe, you know, I hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's the theory. <laughs> that's content marketing. Um, so yeah, that's the stats for this week. Still doing reasonably well. Um, uh, income took a bit of a drop in March compared to February because of that affiliate, but uh, still can afford to keep the office, still can afford to pay ourselves. So doing all right. <laughs> so yeah, that's the income this week. Next week, we'll be looking at email marketing. So to, in terms of our uh, list size, our list growth, um, how it's all performing, we'll go into all the details on that next time around. In the lesson segment of the show, I wanted to go through, well, the main thing I think that comes from the story this time around is around starting off the software project. So it's around how we thought about that. Um, and I'm not sure, did I tell tell you, like talk to you much about it? I can't even remember really. <laughs> we had the odd conversation yeah. about it. Um, I don't know like massive amounts about it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I do know what's been going on, Aye. I think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was that choice, I think, yeah, between agency and employees. Yeah, if, um, like for anyone listening then, uh, 
that wanted to do what we did and, and they were sort of looking at should I take somebody on or should yeah. I uh, go an agency like what what sort of things did you really learn from it what would you advise on that yeah the, I think the so the reason I was wanting to go with an agency in the first place was because there was I think there was three two or three reasons at least one of which was that I've never done software development in my life like managed a project like that so I wasn't sure if I took on an employee whether I would know what to look for in terms of quality to be able to find the right person um, or even when they're doing the work like how I would manage the process of them doing that work like how, to, how would I make sure they're doing it right how would I check it all the quality assurance all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. so it was just I thought that my plan had been to take on an agency, work with them for maybe six months. They would get us up and running. I would learn a bit about the process. I would learn how they do it. They would teach me, you know, they could they could get us started in a minimum quality level, I suppose. Like they would make sure it's, you know, we take on an agency, they would make sure it's it's good. Um, I, see, when I say it, I just, <laughs> it makes me realise that was my, it was a fear thing, I suppose, in the first place. It was just a fear that if I took on one person, it's relying on that one person, I could take on a crappy employee and then the whole thing's kind of wrecked. But then the same same applies to an agency, I discovered. Like talking to, I talked to probably five or six different ones over that time and the quality of them varied massively. Um, uh, even if they're the best intentioned and actually pretty good skill, then it can still screw up just because miscommunication or they just don't have enough time to take it on at that moment and it's not their fault or something. I don't know. There's there's plenty of factors in there um, that made me realise over the months that actually an agency isn't as foolproof. I think that was the thing. So I thought it would be foolproof. It'd be the safest method, mm-hmm. even though it costs more. So it's worth the extra money to make sure that it works, to make sure everything works okay. But actually I realised having met agencies that they're as fallible as any uh, staff member. Um, and you, and the downsides are that they cost a lot more and they're not building capacity in your own team and they're not going to invest in the product half as much. And, you know, they're never going to become a, a full-time member that helps you create and iterate and, and really evolve the product over time. So that's how I came down to working with an employee, I thought it's worth the risk, even if I don't know how <laughs> it works, even if I'm not sure how to manage a software project, I need to figure it out because actually ultimately long-term, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, and it's just time to find the right person. So I suppose that's part of it is if you need something done um, relatively quickly, making sure it's, uh, you know, really, I, I think probably if you put a lot of money into it, you take an expensive agency, then actually probably the safety checks are good, as in it will be good quality, it will be done on time, it will be, you know, you're much safer with that than an employee, but it costs so much more, it's so much less agile, you can't like uh, take, listen, you can't half so easily take like user feedback and build that right into the process because they'll have already planned it all out for the month or two months or whatever. So that was, that's a bit of a rambly answer, I suppose, but that's kind of, what I took from it, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to build something, if you want to build a soft piece of software long term, I think you just you need staff, so you need to jump in sooner or later. That's that's what I learned, I guess. So yeah, I hope that was useful. Yeah, <laughs> slightly, slightly ran, uh, rambly, but hey, 
Um, getting a getting another member of staff in, it's uh, it'll make our Christmas party more exciting. Indeed, it's just yeah. been us two walking about us. for the last couple of years. So, uh, if we <laughs> get a third person in there, yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to get because we it is a bigger team than that. We need to get the people that are remote, like we get Judy across from uh, from abroad. So yeah, we can get, uh, it's a long train. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh, some of the folk. Yeah. Anyway, we could bring everyone together, but no, ah, that'd be good. <laughs> okay. Well, that ties up the lessons for this week. Uh, let's move on to the next section. All right, on to the experiment segment for this week. And as you know, we're continuing on with the email opt-ins work that we started a few weeks back. Five, four, five weeks? What were we, episode five? Yeah, five, no, four, the... Five, yes, <laughs> five weeks ago. <laughs> uh, so we, we've gone through a few different things so far. We have designed our first custom lead magnet. We have implemented that on the site. One of your tasks was to create a little A-B test on that lead magnet. So put it onto a particular page, uh, do a try a couple of different headlines, see what types of things resonate with your audience. Then we got you to sign up to uh, an email provider, which was in our case, that'd be ConvertKit, but you can use any of the other ones out there. There's uh, MailChimp is a nice free one to start off with. So you've got ActiveCampaign or Aweber or lots of different ones out there. And then um, and then we went on to creating a welcome sequence as well. So creating your first three emails that people get when they sign up uh, and that goes out to them and starts to, you know, get them into your way of thinking, tells you a bit about them, a bit, a bit about you, <laughs> tells them a bit about you. Uh, indoctrination, they call it, but it's not a very nice word. So uh, maybe getting to know them, that's what we should call it. And then finally... Um, we installed, uh, the well, we talked to, to you about the software itself. So SumoMe is the software we were using. Um, and the reason I came to that last, even though it was out of order, is because that kind of relates to something that uh, is going to round out this test, which is that I hate SumoMe now. <laughs> I'm just laughing at your notes. It just says SumoMe farce. <laughs> and I did, Sumo see, me farce. I did see that you um, tweeted them. Yeah, uh, I was having a wee laugh because it's, it's one of the things that it's like, um, you never like to do it, do you? To tweet somebody and call yeah. them out. You were really nice about it, but I did it with Adobe Edition once. Yeah. I'm like, look, I've just had enough of this. <laughs> but you're trying to be like, thanks for your help, but you know, yeah. this really is the honor. It's not so. working. <laughs> I, do you know what? I, so I, I'll do this with a qualifier because I do like, um, I love Noah Kagan's company. I love the work that they do. Like most of the stuff that they do is brilliant. And it, in fact, I've used the Sumo Me plugin for probably two years now and it's been great. It's the set of tools that they've put out there um, for the price that they sell it for, I think is really good. But they've really messed up this upgrade. Um, they've gone from the old list builder, which is the one I recommended you install a couple of weeks ago. Um, so apologies if you've gone through the same problem. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's never build- listen again. Exactly, never <laughs> trust this again. Uh, yeah, so List Builder has been upgraded to List Builder three, I think they call it. I never saw List Builder two, I don't think. But <laughs> anyway, apparently that's what I was using, and it's just completely changed. Um, which fair enough. You have to upgrade software. You have to change. You have to move with the times, improve things. And like you said earlier in the show, actually, it doesn't matter if it's improved. You always hate the new system, don't yeah, you? Yeah, so, we hate change. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's not that it's it's they've changed a lot of stuff and the main problem is that all of my plugins uh, sorry all of my pop-ups and all of my uh, campaigns have been completely messed up so you can import pop-ups so i can bring in some of my old pop-ups but you can't 
you can't work with them half as well. You can't put them into campaigns half as well. Okay, right, I'll start from the start. They've changed it from campaigns, which was the old method of doing A-B testing, where you could just create four or five pop-ups, put them into a campaign, and basically have them all compete. So you've got all these pop-ups. They've changed it now to tests, whereby you get a pop-up and you create a variation of it. And that variation isn't then listed in your list of pop-ups. It's just in the test itself. And that's confusing in the first place. I did, that wasn't intuitive in any way. And I couldn't figure out how this was working. And the only way I figured it out was by back and forth, five emails over maybe four or five days with one of the support techs, because they haven't put any documentation up there either. So no documentation for a completely new different system. I mean, that's just not on. Um, I lost probably about a week's worth of uh, opt-ins because partly because I upgraded it and hadn't realised that it was going to take, <clears throat> excuse me, take a lot of work to make it work. So I needed to budget in like half a day to transfer it all over. And I didn't have half a day for a few days. It was, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to do. So it took me three or four days to get to it in the first place to look at it. So I'd lost all of those days. Then it turned out that it was a bunch of stuff I didn't understand. So I look up the documentation. There's no documentation. So I can't do anything. So I send an email off to help. And of course, they're pretty responsive. He got back to me within 24 hours. But I mean, that's a long time to wait for a response. And it wasn't, um, it didn't answer my question entirely. All credit to him, he tried, but didn't answer it. So three or four more emails before I actually got an answer and got it up and running again. <coughs> but I mean the campaigns are all gone as well so we'd been running all these tests for this podcast specifically and they're all gone I can't see the stats on any of them you can't like you you transfer it over you transfer the pop-ups but the campaigns don't come in because that system's completely changed and you can't see the stats from the old campaigns you can't even look back at a legacy version so that you can mm. see it it's just it was about it was a farce just like yeah I've written it notes here um and I I'm sorry to say that because I do really like the work that Sumo do, do and I'm sure it's just a blip. I'm sure it was just <clears throat> really excited about getting this new product out there and they've rushed it. They've done something, but anyway, it doesn't help much now. Um, so apologies if you've gone through that too, but it also means that our experiment here is a little bit um, squee with. But eventually the uh, support tech did get me my stats so he could look back into the legacy and tell me the stats at least, even if I do have to rebuild every single blooming campaign that I ever created. So anyway, uh, that means let's go to the stats. I'll report back on it. Uh, so remember we changed to the generic ebook across the entire site um, just to give us a baseline for our opt-ins. So on the equipment pages, it was opting in at... At uh, 1.4%, so that's pretty low. Um, generic ebook, uh, that's all it is. If you're looking at equipment, you probably know how to podcast, so makes sense. 1.4%. The Skype pages too, you're probably a good bit along the way if you're looking at, um, well, maybe that's not true. Recording Skype, that's kind of a beginner question as well, isn't it? 1.2% mm. opt in for that. And a 0.7% opt-in for all the fiction pages. Those fictioners. Those, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that kind of makes sense because they're here to know the best fiction articles. And in all the other ones, so a lot of beginners articles, a lot of general articles, they are the best by far at 2.3. So I'm seeing that as our, our kind of baseline opt-in, 2.3. Um, as the kind of highest end. But if we can improve it on our equipment pages, our equipment pages are the most popular by far. So if we can put in a, a lead magnet that gets above 1.4, then that would be great. But this, the kit bag was meant to be that. 
yeah. your kit bag uh, and uh, you can probably see the number on the screen no, in front of nobody us. Nobody cares, 0. 0.4. <laughs> um, 0. 0.4%. Nobody wants to know that I like no. the Samsung Q2U. Exactly. <laughs> I genuinely thought that would work really well. Yeah. I, th- I thought, you know, people are looking up a microphone article. They're trying to find out what the best microphones in the world are, the best mixers in the world. If I was looking for that kind of stuff and somebody said, here's what's in my, here's the stuff I would dream about getting, yeah. the best stuff out there. I, I thought that would go down well. Maybe we've just got the title wrong, headline. Like I'm maybe, not sure. Maybe we just need somebody more credible than me to <laughs> write it. <laughs> yourself, maybe. <laughs> so we're going to have to go back to the drawing board on that one. Um, Skype checklist. So giving people a Skype checklist to follow up on Skype articles did a lot better than the kit bag, but only just better than the generic pop-in, pop-up. So the generic one was 1.2. The Skype checklist was 1.5. So a bit of an improvement. We could probably improve that with working on the headlines, working on a bit of the messaging around it. So you're getting there. Um, And the fiction articles were opting in at 1.4. So that was a how to create a fiction podcast book on the fiction podcast articles. So uh, pretty poor all around, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, well, the only way is up, I suppose. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I, I could, if it was just one we were trying, I could say, well, maybe we've screwed up and not given them what they want, or bad headlines, or bad product, or whatever. But across four different things, it just it shows me that there's a lot of people talk about content upgrades being this panacea, where like it, that's what like doubles your opt-in rate. You go from whatever you're on just now, you know, you get five, six, seven, ten percent opt-in rates just by doing a custom lead magnet. But this has just shown me that um, what, one of a couple of things: either uh, it just doesn't it doesn't work for everyone. The gurus will tell you something, but it just you know it applies to their sites. Sometimes you'll read something online which is like this is going to fix everything, but more often than not these things are really specific to a particular audience a particular niche a particular topic so always need to test these things yourself um yeah so we'll try we'll keep trying it we'll keep trying different ones but it does make me think that it's it's a lot harder to create an effective content upgrade um and you might as well actually spend time creating more maybe more general ones as well because that's what's working best for us right now so uh, maybe a slight negative at the end of that experiment run, but that's kind of what it's here for. It's to test these methods that people claim work really well, see if they work for us, um, see a few different methods, which hopefully will pass on some knowledge to yourselves to try it out, um, whether you should just forget about it altogether or whether there's just particular ways you should test it for your own topic. So what I'd recommend is definitely try one Um for your most popular article. That's what we recommended at the start. Try and create a custom lead magnet for your most popular article and test it out. But don't see it as a panacea. Don't start putting so much work into these because from what I've seen, they don't work as well as people claim. Now for the action of the week. This is your homework as usual. Did you do your homework last week, Matthew? Well, uh, I think the dog ate it. Oh. Uh, I don't have a dog. Very under- Your rabbit ate rabbit it. Rabbit ate it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure rabbits eat computers. <laughs> uh, right, so this, to tie up this, <laughs> I'm coming off. Uh, if you're if you're watching the videos, come go back and check the uh, the last report and experiment. You'll see that we didn't see that custom lead magnets worked as well as we hoped. But um, what I would say is that even if you're doing generic uh, pop-ups, po- uh, like pop-up uh, generic lead magnets, like our how to podcast 
book, which you know applies to basically anything on our site. Is it's a, it's a a lead magnet that will be at least semi-relevant to every single person that visits your site. Even if you're doing them, then A-B testing and experimenting with a lot of the variables around that pop-up is still well worth it. So this applies whether you're doing those custom lead magnets like we were trying out and found didn't work as well as they should have, or whether you're doing more genetic uh, opt-ins, then this is still relevant. So what I want to do is recommend a few different types of A-B tests just to finish us off here. So you've already created an A-B test in, I think it was the second week or the first week we had to look to that. So you already tried out a couple of variations of headline. So I hope that gave you some insights into how different it can be. Like you can have one that's at 2% and one at 1% just through a few different words. It's amazing the difference it makes. So if you edited the headline last time around, try a few things. Here's some things that we found make a big difference. So image versus no image. You automatically think, well, I did automatically think that having an image of the ebook or the download or the resource or whatever it is on the pop-up will make it look better because it looks a bit flashier, draw the eye. But actually, we tested it and a few of our pop-ups perform much better without an image. Just text, headline, text, and email box at the bottom. So try that. Try one pop-up with an image and the exact same text but without the image on another one and see how that affects it. Another one could be, um, obviously, try some more different headlines. So try four or five different headlines. Try really different variations, like really mix it up um, all sorts of different ways. I mean, you can go from anything from the total BuzzFeed style, like nine best ways to lose your hair or something. Uh, You know, the silly, like, uh, really... um, sort of hype worthy ones some of them actually work quite well it depends on the audience hugely but it's what all these these things are worth testing just to try them out Uh, another thing we found work uh in a way that wasn't expected was short text versus long text so i always assumed that if i was doing a pop-up i should try and cut the text down as much as possible because a big block of text is not going to work very well but i actually tried um same headline on two different pop-ups same image and just changed the body text. One was just one paragraph. One was about three or four paragraphs, given a bit more detail. And the long one won out by a long shot. That was actually one of the biggest differences we found. So long text versus short text. Again, it'll be totally audience dependent, but try it out. Give it a go. So, yeah, there's a few different ways. That's a few different things to try. Um, I mean, some people go to as much detail as like different coloured buttons, different coloured headlines, that kind of stuff. I think you're probably getting a bit too granular by that point. It's mainly about the content. So the image, the headline, the body text, maybe the button text actually as well. So what you put on the button itself can make a bit of a difference as well, whether that speaks to your audience or not and persuades them just to do that final click. So give that a shot. Try out as many different ones as you can. I tend to test maybe three or four at a time. So I'll have a campaign, I'll have an A-B test, which isn't just A or B, it'll be A, B, C or D. Uh, And then maybe I'll narrow it down to the two that are leading and let them run for another week and see which one wins out of them. So you can try more than just one at a time. Uh, and try them in different categories of your site as well to see what resonates in different areas because there'll be different types of people finding different categories and different sections of your site as well. So now that you've got that system set up at least, I mean, it's 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 there, it's ready to use. Um, if you're still on Sumo Me, I hope you can use the new tests version. Uh, you'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, you'll need to figure it out. I'm sure they'll have created some documentation by the time you come to it here. So I hope it's a bit clearer on how to use it by now. Um, but anyway, if there's one thing I've found out, it's the fact that, you know, you'll be told something by the gurus, you'll be read something on a website and they'll say it as if it's a universal truth. But it doesn't matter what 
anybody says online, your, your audience is your audience, your audience is unique and you need to find out what resonates with them in terms of all the different variables of how you do your website. So I think that'll tie up the action and uh, I hope that has been a useful experiment to follow along with as well. I hope you've gone through the actions on the last uh, four or five episodes. I managed to get a few different things set up. If you didn't already do email at all, then hopefully that got you, <clears throat> got, excuse me, got you started. But um, even if you were doing a bit of email, hope the A-B tests have helped you out a little bit. Um, and I'd love to hear. So get in touch. Send us an email in to uh, info at thepodcasthost.com or you can tweet us at thepodcasthost on Twitter. I'd love to hear how it's working for you, whether you followed it along. Let me know the results. We'll see if it worked for you. Well, that does it for another episode of The Numbers Game. And we are episode five. <laughs> uh, What's it they say if you get to seven? Seven, yeah, that's the average, isn't it? Yeah. Supposedly. And of course, we've got eight weeks to get in your note, are they? (laughs) Don't really, but... um, Yeah. Well, that's one of those, uh, you know, this this, this show is a bit of a... A bit about the stats, a lot about the stats. I wonder where people got that stat from. Where do you think that seven episode thing came from? Don't know, actually. Somebody just Uh, made it up. I've never seen a source for it. Sometimes if you just say a stat with confidence, yes. uh, if you made it up, like yeah. people will just copy it. I might, I might just start doing that. It's <laughs> it's the era of, um, what, what did they call it? The end of truth or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, Aye, fake news and all that. It's fair game now. Eh? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, there are there's a lot of that are out there, actually. Um, there's some you get it a bit so doing research training doing a PhD you, you kind of get taught some of this stuff and there's a, there's a few good case studies out there like I wonder if I can bring any to mind right now there's one there was one particular one where people what was it now I can't remember off the top of my head I'll maybe put it in show notes for anybody that's interested but there's a there's a particular stat that people talk about and it is really really well known um, but it's it apparently uh, that one guy tried to find out where it came from and it's like a it's a it's not a scientific thing either it's a universal thing and it's really well known and he looked back and it was just one guy just said it based on absolutely nothing just like you say and it just it was quoted a few times and it just proliferated from there yeah it just it happens was it 76% of all stats are made up (laughs) it might be that but um (laughs) no if if you you just if you just say something with uh, conviction with conviction about confidence (laughs) (laughs) cool okay well let's tie it up um, if you want to see the show notes, go to numbersgame.me forward slash 005 and you'll see the show notes there. We're trying to make the show notes as comprehensive as possible. You'll see that there's a full summary of the contents of the uh, the episode. So if you want to go back and review some of the material, some of the learning, some of the lessons, it's all on there. And you'll see the videos there too. So if you're listening to the podcast, I encourage you to go over and just, um, if you want to review anything, go back and look at anything again. The videos are all on the website at numbersgame.me forward slash 005 uh, or uh, they're all on YouTube as well so subscribe to our channel on YouTube you can go to youtube.com and just search for the numbers game other than that again feedback as always get in touch info at thepodcasthost.com tweet us at thepodcasthost and it's early days you talk, you mentioned uh, new note are they jokingly there but it does make a wee bit of a difference, maybe, doesn't it? Maybe we will get A small there. difference. So yeah, if you can give us a review, that'd be much appreciated. If you're enjoying what we're doing, pop onto iTunes, find us on there, The Numbers Game, and uh, give us a wee review. That'd be most excellent. 
Other than that, any parting words, Matthew? Uh, take care of yourself. Eat your breakfast, because uh, <laughs> don't I don't care what all these uh, millionaires say. You know, mm. people that make loads of money. Yeah. You look at me. I've got like couple of hundred in the bank and wow. uh, a house in Fife uh, that I don't own so <laughs> who are you going to trust eh? yeah, the um, man who eats his breakfast <laughs> <laughs> well with those words we shall see you on the next episode